Kendra. I'm Olivia. And Josh. And this is our music podcast. Today we're going to be talking about uh, spontaneous musical talent. Yeah, I have three stories for us today. I'm going to start off with my favorite and end with the weirdest of the three. So first we're going to talk about actress Mary Steenburgen, who was born in Newport, Arkansas. She studied drama at Hendricks College and was eventually discovered by Jack Nicholson and starred as the female lead for Going South in 1978. She has been in films like Back to the Future 3, Philadelphia, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, Step Brothers, Elf, The Help, and TV shows like Bored to Death, Wilfred, and 30 Rock, and tons and tons and tons yeah, of other lo- things. Yeah, lots and lots of stuff. You've seen her. If you yeah, Kendra, are you familiar with her? Uh-huh, for okay. sure. Yeah, and she's also married to actor Ted Danson now, no, and no, has good. been since 1985. Yeah. Okay, so in 2007, after going under anesthesia for a minor arm surgery, Mary woke up with an out-of-control feeling in her brain. She's quoted in IndieWire saying, the best way I can describe it is that I just felt like my brain was only music and that everything anybody said to me became musical. Every street sign became musical. I couldn't get my mind, oh, couldn't get my mind into any other mode. So she had to adjust. That sounds tight. Yeah, very yeah. weird. She said she, it took her a while to adjust because she like almost had to get herself together because she couldn't really do anything else. She couldn't concentrate on many things and she was having trouble parenting and just doing normal things. So she said she had to kind of like tell herself like, you're not going crazy, but you need to get it together and like stop spiraling. That makes sense. Yeah. But after she did adjust to this new side effect, um, which she (laughs) described as at first scary and annoying, she, oh yeah, she, she didn't work for um, several months. And after that, she decided that she was just going to go with it. And she started learning about playing instruments, learning about how people wrote songs and just, you know, kind of studied songwriters. She started working with one of her friends that was a musician and she, cause she didn't know how to play anything at this point, she would sing the parts to her friend, her friend would transcribe them. And they actually, she wrote 12 songs and sent them to a music lawyer under a pen name and was able to get a songwriting contract with universal music. Sweet. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She That's said pretty impressive. Like, you know what? Like, I mean, it's, I'm sure part of it that, Part of that was like that she was already famous and had connections. Yeah. yeah. But also the fact that she was just like already talented enough. Cause like if she fucking sucked, like they would have absolutely been like, eh, yes. maybe come back yeah. to us. Like we'll give you a shot because you're famous. But yeah, you'd also have to the have fact some... that it's like under a pen name, like so it's not like she's trying to yeah. have her name right, to sell right. it, you know? She said the funny thing was that the lawyer assumed that she was a much younger person. So when he found out that she was like a well-established actress, you know, and she was older at this point, they were very surprised and, you know, it didn't, it didn't affect anything, but she just thought that that was kind of a funny thing also. That's pretty awesome though. So that that says that she got on, she got her talent alone. So that's awesome. Yeah. She said that she was able to kind of get into the heads of like the characters in her songs or the people that she was writing songs about because of her acting abilities, because, you know, she was used to kind of doing that and diving into these roles. And Josh, I know you've mentioned in the past writing songs. So that's kind of what you do. You like make up these stories in your head and then kind of go from there. Yeah, that's yeah. how it's done, basically. Yeah, Kendra, There's do you, all kinds of ways to do it, but 
Kendra, do you, you do the same thing? Up. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of draw from like life experiences and just like places and snapshots in time and yeah. write a song about that. So it's usually from my own personal experience or just like making up something funny about something that's completely irrelevant and trying to make it sound deep and poetic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just to, just to trick people. Like, oh, wow, that was a really great breakup song. Like, yeah, I was about finishing dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was about taking a dump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He left my body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. We parted ways. <laughs> After a rocky start, the 54-year-old questioned her decision to jump into such an unfamiliar field. Because she would, you know, she said she would go into these sessions with some Nashville musicians and she didn't have the experience and she was also the oldest person in the room. So it was kind of intimidating. And she said she even cried after the first session that she had, you know, because of the label. And she, you know, just spent the next decade trying to get better at both playing and writing. And she learned to play the accordion. Which is an unusual instrument accordion. There you go. I love that that's the one. She's like, you know what? Like, fuck guitar. I'm going with accordion. (laughs) Weird Al. This will will express myself perfectly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty cute. There's you can find some videos of her actually playing the accordion and and singing and stuff online. That's wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) I love that already so much. (laughs) Josh, you play the accordion. Is that yeah, is it a difficult instrument to pick up? It looks like it could uh, It is be. hard. It's very hard to do, yeah. Yeah. Her grandmother was a multi-instrumentalist, and Mary actually believes that she had the same abilities as her grandmother, yeah. but just didn't have the access to that part of her brain, which I thought was interesting. So maybe something about the um, anesthetics or yeah. whatever are getting put under. It opened the, opened the door. It. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like when people like trip acid. Like and that opens like a different part of your brain. Yeah, like you yeah. kind of just view things a little bit differently afterwards. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Next subject. Yeah. yeah, she she plays a lounge singer and actually sings an original song in the film, um, 2013 film Las Vegas. Her song Glasgow, No Place Like Home, was used in the 2018 film Wild Rose and was performed by actress Jessie Buckley, who she's in Fargo and movie I think or I'm thinking of ending things the movie really Fargo good. or the TV show TV show did I say movie I don't know I mean, okay you just, you just said Fargo <laughs> yeah she's a well, wonderful actress and such a good singer I was surprised when watching I haven't watched the movie yet I'm going to Fargo the musical no the the Wild Rose movie <laughs> that <laughs> I would watch that, that would how would they great. do the wood chipper scene well I mean I mean, they kind of do the same thing with Sweeney Todd. Yeah. You know, you I can do some dark there's stuff. there's potential there. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, like, I definitely, I'm, not, I'm down to see the wood chipper scene, for mm-hmm. sure, in a musical format. Like, that just sounds delightful. Yeah, yeah somebody out Lighten there, a little bit, yeah. do this. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to, like, I mean, I feel like uh, people on TikTok are making all these uh, Pixar movies into musicals right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, they did Ratatouille and... They're going to do Up or whatever next. But I feel like Fargo has Mm -hmm. potential. Definitely. Putting the call out there if you're like, I like to write music for musicals. (laughs) Fargo. Well, funny thing is, she says that, you know, one of her next projects is definitely going to be writing a musical. So maybe we can... You know, pitch oh, she should absolutely tackle it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she'd have some really creative uh, things for the wood chipper scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So her song for, you know, her song, um, for wild rose, the Glasgow song, um, was on a short list of songs that were going to be nominated for a 2020 Oscar. It didn't quite make the list, but it, you know, and that ended up going to Elton John and Bernie Taupin. But she did win a Critics' Choice Movie Award for Best Song, Hollywood Critics Association Recognition for Best Original Song, and Recognition by the Houston Film Critics Society for Best Original Song. Um, right now, right. she's working on an animated project with Guillermo del Toro called Nightmare Alley, and she's doing the music for that. I guess yeah. it's not an acting part or voice acting part. And Dude, that sounds awesome. I love Guillermo del Toro. Me too. I just said that weird, but yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan of his. Yeah, she also won um, an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress in the film Melvin and Howard in 1980, and she received her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 2009. Oh, wow. Yeah. She was in very a lot of iconic things. Oh, yeah. So I'm all for it. Yeah, she's an adorable person, too. Yeah. <laughs> her and Ted Danson both. Um Okay, so the next story is about a man named Derek Amato, who kind of had a similar experience in 2016 after he suffered from a concussion after a bad dive into a swimming pool. He, when he was younger, he did have some experience playing music. He, he dabbled with guitar, didn't really, his mom kind of pushed him to play an instrument and he didn't really want to. Yeah. And he also learned a little bit of drums, but he never had formal training and he didn't know how to read music. He was trying to catch a ball in the shallow end of a pool and suffered a massive concussion. He rested for, you know, five days, pretty much slept for five days after, you know, doctors told him to you know, kind of take it easy and not do anything crazy. Days later, while at a friend's apartment, he found himself drawn to a keyboard in the corner of the room and decided to just plug it in and hit a few of the keys. After he sat down and turned the keyboard on, his fingers went crazy and he just started playing and played for five or six hours without stopping. He you know, had no idea what he was doing, but it, it sounded beautiful. And his friend said that he you know, thought that maybe he was possessed by the ghost of Beethoven, but he was afraid that if he stopped playing that it, it might go away. Like it was yeah. just you know, something that he had tapped into. But Dang. yeah, but then you know, the next day when he woke up, he, you know, still had that same feeling. He took his mom to a music store because he wasn't really sure how to tell people like, oh, I can suddenly play really well and just sat down at a keyboard and showed her. And she kind of had the same reaction where she was very confused and he had to explain that, oh, after this, you know, head trauma, I'm, I'm able I'd to. I'd like to have heard him play after one day of playing and like, what does that mean playing really well? I know. I, I mean, I guess they, like you can, or could he like sort of play a little bit? Said or? it was in classical style yeah. and without any formal training. Cause he, it's funny cause he doesn't even know how to describe what he's doing. Yeah. Like, um, I listened to an interview with him on this podcast for NPR and they were trying to get him to play simple songs like Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And he was talking about a friend asking him to play Happy Birthday. And he doesn't know how to play some of that stuff, but he can sit down and just come up with these, you know, original compositions that sound intricate. I'd, yeah. you know, you'd probably be a better judge than me. But you can find his music online. It might have some of his earlier stuff and then the newer stuff. What was his name again? His name's Derek Amato. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to look that up because that sounds interesting. Yeah, so doctors told him that he had developed acquired savant syndrome and that it could go away as easily as it came. He decided that he was going to enjoy every single second that he could 
and continued to play. He's met with numerous neurologists who were skeptical of his story. And then um, while filming a documentary for the Discovery Channel, he met with Dr. Reeves from the Mayo Clinic, who described the condition um, as an overstimulated brain and said that you know it, it could be treated with anti-seizure medication and explained that yeah, he was kind of it. on... Suppress that music. Right, that he was kind of on like a roller coaster that they didn't really know yeah. like the ups and downs of it, what was going to happen or what kind of effect it would have on his brain, brain long term. So he decided not to take the medication because like I said, he you know kind of wanted to go with it as long as he had it. Yeah, he didn't want to slow the firing of the neurons. The podcast I was mentioning is called The Hidden Brain Podcast on NPR. And he, you know, he was interviewed and he talks about his acquired talent and then spoke with researcher and psychiatrist Daryl Treffitt about Derek. Derek had seen similar cases, so he didn't find his story as hard to believe. He said that when he hit the left side of his head while diving into the pool, he injured the left side of his brain and that the majority of the acquired savant cases that he studied had left side injuries as well with right brain compensation, trying to mm-hmm. you know make up for gotcha. it. Gotcha, yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so there yeah. was some like, quasi-scientific explanation for it. Yeah, he said that the abilities that tend to emerge usually have to do with art, music, and math, and art, music, and math are all skills that involve pattern recognition. Oh, okay. So that reminds me of another story that I heard. Mm -hmm. Like this lady, um, yeah, she had an injury. And then when she got out of like her coma or whatever, she, everything she saw was numbers and patterns and like physics and whatever. And like, there's a couple stories about people with math abilities overnight. Um, like not necessarily like solving stuff that, you know, um, has been, unsolvable for years but like yeah. you know definitely like working through some of the crazier aspects of like physics equations and whatnot yeah yeah which is pretty dope it's no, not possible it is. like yeah. if, if those people maybe those people <clears throat> injured the right side of their brain and they compensated with the left yeah and then the left is more mathematical or whatever i'm sure that's i don't know what i'm saying but just yeah go with it. <laughs> yeah it's it's just it's fascinating but she was like like the woman was like describing like trees and like everything was an equation and yeah. everything had a number sequence. It was, I got a, my initial thought when seeing that story is like, so it's like her brain basically turned into the matrix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds like, like what all you're the describing. numbers yeah. and codes and whatever. Sounds interesting. interesting. She can just yeah. see it better than us. Yeah. They also, yeah, interesting. yeah. They also talked to, University of Pennsylvania cognitive psychologist Scott Barry Kaufman, and he went on to explain that these skills are built into the architecture of the brain, or your brain might be already hardwired for certain activities. So many of us learn, you know, abilities without effort, like grammar when you're young. And for these savants who learn these skills with little effort, it doesn't, you know, it feel it doesn't feel like a learning experience for them. It feels like fun. It's just something that they love doing, and it's also like an extensions of them, extension of themselves. But he thinks that you know their brains were already hardwired for it, and it just you know like Mary's story where she said she was able to tap into something that she hadn't been able to before. Kind of a similar thing here. That's interesting. Yeah, and our last and weirdest story by far is about musical medium Rosemary Brown. She was born in 1916 in London, and at age seven, she had an experience with a spirit 
that who had long white hair and told her that he would, you know, eventually make her famous. So Mary had many experiences with spirits throughout her life, but what made her stand out was a number of musicians, all dead, um, who through Mary continued to write music. She transcribed pieces from Johann Brahms, Johann Sebastian Bach, Franz Schubert, Robert Schumann, Ludwig van Beethoven, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, Claude Debussy. Yeah. Can you imagine like what her house looked like, like with all the spirits? Oh yeah, and there were many others. I mean, she also talked to you know actresses and other people. She even mentioned speaking with John Lennon at one point, and he, you know, his message was to tell kids to stay away from drugs. Um, but um, she claimed that all these composers spoke to her in English, and that some of them controlled her hands, some dictated notes, and some even sung the compositions to her. Or communicated physically, or psychically, sorry, (laughs) psychically. This all happened to her. She, her husband had died and she was working, you know, supporting two children on her own. And she had an injury at work. It didn't explain much about the injury. It sounded kind of minor. But um, after that, you know, these musicians started appearing to her and tried to get her to write down their unfinished works. So she's published three books on her own, um, Unfinished Symphonies, Voices from Beyond, Immortals at My Elbow, and then last one, Look Beyond Today. Interesting. She's got to be yeah. dead, right? She, she oh, yeah, like she died in 2001. Yeah. Um, her work... Have, like, have experts like looked at her compositions to see like how they hold right. up comparatively? Yes. Her work does display the style of the channeled compositions. Um, there's a BBC documentary about her that was filmed in 1969. Sometimes she isn't able to play the compositions herself. She can just kind of write them out and then other people play them because they're, you know, beyond her talent. She's been featured in publications like Rolling Stone, TV shows all over the UK. She's performed in New York and she's convinced many critics and then there's many that, you know, find the story utterly ridiculous. She's she's never been described as a fraud by anyone who's actually spent time with her or met her. Musicologists and psychologists believe that she believes that these musicians are dictating the music to her, um, but they think that maybe it's in fact coming from her own subconscious. Many others believe Rosemary's claims, and they think she's a wonder. British composer Richard Rodney Bennett was completely convinced. Peter Caton, a leading interpreter of Chopin, was impressed and even recorded many of her transcribed pieces. Okay, Professor Ian Parrott from Wales published a book of Rosemary's compositions called The Music of Rosemary Brown. And he believed that accomplished composers would have had trouble writing in the same style and essence of so many of these composers. He found it hard to believe that a woman with very little musical training could have done that. She did spend three years taking piano lessons and it was something that she said she didn't do continuously for three years. It was just, you know, whenever she had time, because she did have, you know, two children that she was taking care of. She was observed by Professor Tenhoff, um, parapsychologist, who found her to be of sound mind and mental balance. And he said that she was very likable, honest, and modest, and very... Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. It cut out, but... Oh, yeah, she was very likable, honest, and modest, and certain of all of her claims... She died at the age of 85 in 2001, and you you can find tons of videos of her and tons of little documentaries about her on YouTube and, you know, um, other places online. I watched a, a documentary by journalist Keith Parsons from the UK, but 
Yeah, that, Josh, you, I mean, you can play piano really well. How possible do you think it would be for someone with, you know, very little music training to not only like mimic these composers, but then to write in their style? I mean, I know everybody's, I mean, it it's hard like to say. it would be like next to impossible. Okay. Even with training, it, it, I don't even know what to make of that story, to be honest. Yeah, it's very, very, very strange. Yeah. Yeah, she had. Yeah, um, that's, I mean, hell. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like, I don't think you could really fake being like, yes, this is a composition by Bach and then have it like actually hold up under scrutiny. Yeah, like, that's, that's yeah. pretty impressive. And then do it with a bunch of other composers, too. That's mind boggling, really. Yeah, they dissected some of her stuff and they said, you know, for someone that couldn't play it, she wrote, you know, parts where diff- like each hand was playing like in a different time, yeah. which seems, you know, very I don't. I mean, I don't know because I don't. I don't write music, but it just seems like that would be very difficult to do for someone who you know had very little musical training. Right. Yeah. I wrote yeah. some stuff in college that was like in the style of Bach, and I I was a good composer, and I don't think there's a, a critic that would you know believe that I was writing in the style of J.S. Bach. Yeah. Where I could like mimic it, and this was after years of like training. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, I thought so too. That's, That's awesome. why it's definitely the weirdest <laughs> like story. Rules. Yeah, I know. I mean, some some mediums though, like I like I know that there's a lot of um, fakes out there, but mm-hmm. I like I do believe in mediums. Honestly, like not all of them, obviously, but there's some unquestionable, like beyond the shadow of a doubt, proof sometimes uh, that some have given, which is pretty intense and interesting like not just like fishing around for things but like bold statements um and yeah it's fascinating to like hear their stories and whatnot so i like i i don't even care if people think i sound crazy like i totally believe it i totally believe it (laughs) yeah she said she came from a long line of psychics that her mom and her grandmother both had psychic abilities and that it really wasn't that weird for she said when she was younger that she had to learn to live with seeing people that other people didn't see because mm-hmm. it took her a while to, you know, to realize that other people didn't see mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And you hear mm-hmm. so many stories about children where they have like these imaginary friends that, you know, could possibly be a ghost or someone finds out like, oh, there was a little kid that lived in the house before and passed away. So I don't find that that strange to hear. I don't I don't know what I believe about it. it I haven't really put a ton of thought into it yet, but I do think that, you know, this is definitely something unexplainable. All the stories really are. Because you wonder, you know, it seems a little bit easier to believe, you know, the guy who had the head injury because it's explained, you know, why that worked for him. But then, you know, Mary Steenburgen just going under for, you know, a minor surgery yeah. that, like, like that, but I don't know. She also spent that. like the next 10 years pursuing that. And you can yeah. take anybody. And if they work at something every day for 10 years, they'd probably get, you'd get really good at it. I agree with that. I was mostly, I guess, just talking about how she woke yeah. up and right. it was like, oh, like her head was different. Sudden, like yeah. she yeah, didn't yeah. think the same I way. I believe that, yeah. It's just weird. That's why I thought these stories were so um, you know, interesting and worth talking about. For sure. What do you guys think about them? Oh, I totally believe, uh, I totally believe the last one for Rosemary. sure. Yeah it's, yeah, it's too ridiculous. And the first one, like, I, I just think it's it's cool. It's like something happens and boom, like right. random talent. 
It makes me think of like, uh, like all the things that were like all like actually in a simulation. <laughs> yeah. For <laughs> yeah. the guy that can all of a sudden be a composer. It's like, Oh, did you do, like flip a glitch in the matrix or something? Like, like, download, the, download the program to him. <laughs> yeah. I thought what was cool about, you know, Mary's story, the first one to it's, it's just cool that she later in her career when she didn't need to, and already, you know, as well established in one profession that she decided to try something completely different. And, you know, even though it didn't work at first and it was intimidating that she stuck it out and now it's paying off. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, Cause I you don't hear about a lot too. of people making a big change like that later in life. That's very true. Yeah. But in the, the second story, I don't know. I didn't think the guy was lying about it, especially after listening to an interview with him. I don't know, we don't know what, don't know what he was doing before he yeah. hit his head on the pool. Maybe he was studying piano and lying about he, it. For, he could have been. Yeah, know. very well could have been. I don't know why he would lie about that. but Yeah, because you're not going to get that much fame for long, right. you know, pretending like, oh, I had, yeah. you know, this. Like, I'm a good piano player. Yeah. <laughs> that and he well, didn't. Especially like people, it's like some people, like they when they write, like they you know, they just hear it and they know where the note is. Yeah. They can just figure it out. So like in no time they can just, yeah. Like I've met people that are like crazy talented at things and it just, they hear a note and they can immediately play it, you know, but like that's because they know their instrument so well. Yeah. Um, but then being able to compose like immediately like that, like that's really talented. Like some of the most talented musicians I, I know, like that's how they play. They'll just like hear something and immediately like pick it up and go for it. But yeah, I, I don't have that talent. <laughs> I mean, I guess yeah, I can either. sing like that, but I don't really have the range to pull off a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, it, it seemed like he was you know, more than willing to let himself be studied by lots of professionals. So yeah. I think that, you know, even after many were skeptical, so I think that, you know, that could have weeded out a lot right there. Or, you know, I guess either he was just real committed to that con, but I, yeah. I didn't... I found it believable. Yeah, it's not unbelievable. Like, it's it's plausible that yeah. he acquired some talent. It's not like he became the, the world's greatest right. you know, piano player or composer. Just became extra talented. Yeah, it was weird because right. he was describing in the interview also about just how his brain worked a little bit differently. So the, the interviewer had him, like, look at the wall behind him. And, you know, there was just, like, different shapes and things on the wall. And he wanted him to, like, play what he was seeing and it was kind of cool because he was explaining you know why he was playing certain notes and while he was playing a certain way um and just came up with like his own song on the spot about the wall <laughs> which yeah Kanye yeah. West had a, a thing like that where he would do like artwork and paint visually what how he saw his beats or whatever mm -hmm. and it was like a painting of some like, I don't know how to describe it, but yeah. he could visually and color with color, like, describe his music. That's really oh, cool. what's that called? Like, where people, like, uh, hear colors or, like, um, or see sounds with, like, colors. Yeah, I know what you're like talking that. about. I can't think of what it's called, though. I can't remember the name of it, but, like, that's a whole thing. I, I know a couple people that have that. It's yeah. pretty interesting. That really Like, is. you have, like, different associations in your brain. Yeah. With, like, numbers and colors and sounds and stuff like that. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, and I mean, you know, there's still so much that we don't know about the human brain, and we're learning all the time. It's so. like synthesia, or it's like something, something. I think synth is in it somewhere. Can't yeah. remember, but yeah, it's yeah. I think that's cool. Like, I love, I love hearing stories like that. Yeah, you know, it makes Maybe. me think of the weird story when we were talking about 
um, coma patients and how they react to you know to music differently, like under and I, I'm not explaining that well um, about how coma patients react to music while they're out, and sometimes they're able to like bring oh, yeah. them out of comas and right. Yeah, we did certain that songs. Yeah, about the Tom Petty song. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Woke that person up. <laughs> Free falling. Yeah. Sure. But yeah, I just thought these were kind of cool. No, I love it. Like that's yeah. a, I think it's fascinating. Me too. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, do any of them sound like lizard people though? I guess is the next question. All of them. Uh, <laughs> what? I no, would I say, know. you know, maybe because the last story about Rosemary Brown is the strangest, maybe yeah, that one. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I guess I don't see uh, lizard people being psychics. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe no lizards in this one. Yeah. And for people that you know are new listeners, early on as a joke, we kind of decided to start asking like who might be the lizard person in the story, and that's why you know at the end we try to discuss that (laughs) for people that you know have no idea why we talk about that. Yeah, it's just all in good fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but who could be the imposter? Like, who is the lizard person? <laughs> yeah. And I think that that started after maybe our shapeshifter episode. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you want to have reference to that, definitely go back and listen to our shapeshifter episode. Yeah, about Billy, Billy Corgan. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that about wraps it up for today. So. Yeah, does anybody have anything to add before we uh, say goodbye? Yeah, you know, um, if you get a chance, send us a review. Send us any requests if you know of a good story that you want send us to us cover. A <laughs> you could. Can they do that? Can someone do that? <laughs> <laughs> I can have, uh, they have that capability. Yeah, we're on well. you know all social media platforms, and our email is ourmusicpodcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, uh, say hi. Uh, we've got the Instagram and all the things. So mm-hmm. um, if you have any ideas of stuff that you think that we should talk about that we're missing right now, uh, just go ahead and send us a suggestion. Yeah. That would be very cool. Send us your story if you're a musician and you have something strange to tell us. We'll also you know, talk about it. Or even if you want to come on the podcast, we'll give you a call. Um, yeah. So I think that about wraps it up. I yep. hope everybody has a wonderful day. Me too. Um, or evening or morning or whatever, whenever you're listening to this. 2021. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're finally in 2021. So, uh, yeah, did it. not off to a wonderful start in the U.S., but let's not talk about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> onward, onward to better things, hopefully. Yes. So, yes. For sure. <laughs> All right. Just yeah. Get it up there, I guess. Yep.